So, American Reunion is out, and we're here to answer one question. Did there ever need to be more than one American Pie movie? I'm your host, Sean Lemmy, and I say no. John Otney? Um, yeah, there could have been one more, but since it was bad, there shouldn't have been any more than that. Colin Who's Weston? Shot? Probably not. Matt Carstens? As much as I think probably not, since I've only seen the first... Two, and I don't remember the second one at all. But I kind of like, like how they've done this again, and now they're all grown up. And I just think it looks really cool. I don't want to see it, but I just I like I appreciate that they're. It's, it's, maybe it's just the the having seen the entire Boy Meets World series. <laughs> I kind of like that kind of thing. So what were they? It was the 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 high school getting laid one. Where they high school getting laid one. And then there was like college ones. They're just like going out either summer or spring yeah. break. Yeah, and getting late. I think they were. I think they were in college because that because they graduated from high school at yeah. the end of the and first that, movie. And that nerdy guy was like all different. And then the third one was the wedding. Mm-hmm. And then God knows how many direct to DVD <laughs> Eugene oh, Levy yeah, singles they made. <laughs> it's funny. Eugene Levy's been in all of them. Isn't that weird? He's the All only one. You, th- you would think, I mean, what's Sean William Scott doing, right? Why, why isn't he in these? But no. Just, what do you just mean? Like, He's the only one that has a career right now. He doesn't have a career. He started a movie that came out last week. <laughs> Did you see it? No, but I wouldn't say Chris Clyde has a bunch of offers coming in to star in movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess none of those guys really should have careers. <laughs> Except for uh, Allison. That's so mean. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't, even, on how much they shouldn't even have careers. Well, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about what we are really here to talk about. Ensemble movies. Because while we got to spend so much time with that lovable bunch of pie characters, the Stiffmeister and others... <laughs> Other movies have also featured fun groups of characters, and we are going to talk about them. Well, I'm excited, uh, and we've got so many on here. Let's just let's just get right into it. First movie on our list: Twelve Angry Men. Men who are angry. You put this on the list, Colin. You got to open up. I do. Okay. Uh, well, I think it represents what an ensemble picture should be because it's just a bunch of guys in a room and it's like some of the best character actors really of their time and you know just good writing and great acting that's pretty much what makes this film yeah i agree that so the first time i saw 12 angry men it wasn't the real 12 angry men it was the made for tv movie version with like edward james Olmos in it and I can't even remember who else. Jack Lemon. Jack George Lemon. George C. Scott. James Gandolfini. Uh, Tony Danza. 
uh, an all right remake, but just unnecessary. Like they didn't really add anything new, and Tony Danza is not a suitable replacement <laughs> for Jack Ward. Uh, just so everyone knows, if you've never heard of this movie, which I hope you have, it's about the the jury, the twelve twelve guy jury in the deliberation room, uh, talking about this uh, this murder trial, and there um, there's one guy who says, "Oh, I think he's innocent," but everyone else is like, "No." You did it, so he's got to convince them all, and that's all. That's a real compelling setup right away. Mm-hmm. And I really love how they kind of reveal each character's thought process and beliefs in this this uh, this kind of slow reveal of him trying to convince each one. Because I feel like that's a great way to get insight on each character is kind of finding out like their backgrounds and their morals and their own stories. And I think just for that, um, it, it just shows how uh, great of a character kind of study it is. It's kind of just amazingly riveting, too, for, you know, probably an hour and a half of people just talking in one location for the entire movie. I feel like it holds up really well just because it is so simple. Like I feel like someone who doesn't watch old movies could watch that and still be, like, really into it. I mean, I definitely was. As I guess that describes me pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There we go. Yeah, it's pretty I remember, like, the... The scene when he uh, gets out the knife, when we all watched it together, one of us was like, "Oh shit!" That was Nancy. I <laughs> I'm Nancy, by the way. I don't think. Oh you yes. Ever... Oh yeah. We should probably. It's like a nickname that we call him. Sometimes Matt, sometimes Nancy. It's not. There's not two different people who sound really similar. <laughs> we really have one never... a man and one a woman. <laughs> Matt but, C becomes Nancy. And it sounds like uh, 12 Angry Men is fairly popular among this group, so I think it's definitely going to uh, be in consideration for the list. I guess I'll say one thing. Um, when I thought about these movies, like one uh, criteria I thought of for whether it um, is an ensemble movie or not was whether I could instantly name who the main character is. And you could kind of do that for 12 Angry Men. I mean, it's not like Henry Fonda has any more screen time than anyone else, but he probably has more dialogue, and he's obviously the biggest star. But I think that's something worth keeping in mind. Yeah, but I don't think... I mean, there are a lot of exceptions to that rule, I think, as we go through this, but that's, like, one thing that I, I kept thinking about. Well, I know all the characters' names because they're all just juror number one, juror number two, juror number three. Piglet. Piglet. The guy who plays Piglet is in there. John... Uh, Fiddler, he's he's pretty good. Great cast. Moving ahead. Yeah, uh, so here's a movie that's beloved by our group, Airplane. The, uh, I don't know, probably one of our most watched movies as a group, if not the most watched. Sean's brother has seen it over 100 times. <laughs> I feel like it's got to be more than that. Well, yeah. It was 100 times like a couple of years ago, so I don't know what it is now. <laughs> It's interesting to think that it's a parody movie, sort of, of I guess, of a genre, and yet that doesn't really seem to matter. It still holds up um, so wonderfully. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, the, the movie's funny to people who don't even know what, like, the airport movies are. Mm-hmm. And I've, I, I've never even heard of the airport movies. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like... like uh, when, sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, you, you go ahead. I'm trying to remember what the movies are that it, you know. It, uh, yeah, like w- like when I first watched it as a little kid, I had no idea it was a parody movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just remember 
growing up and watching other movies, like, oh, like that's an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I, I mean, it's one of those movies. Still, I mean, I haven't seen it in probably six years, but it's just one of those movies. There's always one thing that you know you never remember. It's so loaded with jokes, just yeah. so like for me. There's a new thing to laugh at every time. I feel like if you're talking about just pure laughs, Airplane yeah. for me is maybe the greatest comedy ever. I put it up with Duck Soup, the Marx Brothers yeah. film, and those are like, I can't think of Those two. were like my two favorite movies yeah. when I was 10 years old. <laughs> those are the perfect comedies for me. So, yeah, love Airplane. And I think what makes it so great is the kind of the, the, the timing and the interplay between all the characters. I mean, one thing I love is how the characters, like the pilots, you have uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, his name's Roger, <laughs> and then you have Peter Gray's, his is Clarence over, and there's that great scene where it's like, we have Clarence, Clarence, Roger, Roger, what's our vector, Victor? <laughs> That's Clarence, over, 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 Roger, huh? Roger, over? <laughs> like, Roger keeps thinking that he's talking to him, and that's like, that kind of harkens back to, like, Abbott and Costello. That's just, like, comedy, like, at its best. The thing I, fe- I always feel when I watch that scene is, like, have these people never worked together before? Like, <laughs> I feel like they they would they would um, they would like get the, you know. I feel like this would be the if that was the first time it's understandable. But if they've done that a million times, like, do they ever not get confused? <laughs> overthinking it, but probably <laughs> only Roger was confused. Yeah, maybe he Clarence, was Clarence knows what's going on, and Peter Graves is just so crazy. He's probably my favorite character in this yeah. movie. <laughs> and he's all this weird stuff talking about like ever seeing a man naked and stuff to that kid it's like what the hell is he talking about and it is great because they got all like serious dramatic actors yeah. for that movie exactly you to know, deliver Lloyd these Bridges. ridiculous lies just totally straight yeah Lloyd, Lloyd Bridges and Robert Stack and this and there's and a lot of them are like stone cold serious saying the stupidest things ever <laughs> And I think there's something really like beautiful about that in in, in terms of uh, comedy. Well, that's just that's and just Leslie Nielsen, simple. obviously yeah. the perfect. It made him like a comedy star, yeah. you know, because he was before that he was more just kind of a dramatic actor, and it was his transition. So groundbreaking in so many ways. Now the thing is, to go back to Colin's thing, uh, very clearly, we have a main character in this movie. Does that affect its ensemble status? You see, I don't understand yeah. that. For, don't, for me, an ensemble is a movie that, that has different points of view. Like, that's how I see Yeah, an d- ensemble define view. ensemble, because I'm very lost on that. I think it's what we were going for is where it's, it's, a, it's a broadcast of characters that are, kind of all serve as main characters instead of just one. Uh, I think of a movie... Like Contagion, which is a bad example because half of us haven't seen it. Where, but I mean, all the movies I think of immediately, you guys haven't seen, like Ocean's Eleven. I've seen just, Ocean's Eleven. I saw, I've seen it. But um, just movies where all the characters kind of have equal importance and equal amount of screen time. That's how I see an ensemble. Yeah. Okay. I. I mean, there definitely is a main character, I guess, but I feel like he's. <laughs> Even though he's the main character, I feel like he's only the main character because, like, the movie has to have some semblance of a plot. (laughs) And so so that's just kind of the excuse for that. But they don't focus on him nearly as much as, you know, they do focus on everyone pretty much equally. 
Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. All right. Yeah. I'm happy with it on the list. It's a real funny movie. Probably the best wordplay in movies. Moving ahead, we have American Graffiti, directed by George Lucas. It's a coming-of-age film about kids growing up in the early 60s, and it's kind of just a series of their misadventures throughout one night. I think eventually when we get further and further into this podcast, we should do a top 10 movies that have appeared on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, we did this previously uh, when we did high school movies. It did not make the cut because for several reasons. One, I think everybody in the movie looks like they're like 30 years old. But uh, let's talk about it in terms of a ensemble film. Uh, Richard Dreyfuss, Ron Howard. I personally like Paul Lamatt the best. Uh, he's that guy. He's the cool guy driving a little annoying girl all around everywhere. Charles Martin Just, Smith. Charles Martin Smith, of course. He's the, he's the nerd, and he's got the, the hot chick that he's with, and he's trying to impress her, and he just can't really. It's just so funny. And, I don't know, and guys. Almost, you don't know about what? Um, I'm not that excited about American Graffiti anymore. Just because we already talked about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> We didn't even put it on the list we, last time. Yeah, uh, did we? Did we straight up disqualify it because it was like they had graduated? Yeah, at least that was my reason. I don't know about everyone else. Which, uh, oh, I don't want to. I was going to say something about that list, but let's not talk about that list anymore. <laughs> yes. You can go uh, listen to that in the podcast archive. Previously on Top Ten Thursdays, I, I don't think it being on a prior list or not being on a prior list should be. Uh, reason for it to be on or not be on this list. I would agree. All right. Sean. I'm still not very excited about American Graffiti. And neither am I. You can't make me be excited about it. I love American Graffiti. I think what makes it a great ensemble film is that there's all these separate stories, but each of them can carry the weight of the movie. You know, it's not like there's, oh, now we have to watch this. This this part of the movie is a weak part of the movie. There's no weak parts. Every character strongly... Um, carries their the little story that they have and i think that's part of what makes a great ensemble film yeah i think it's good don't don't get me wrong i'm just not, not that excited well, about it. let's put it let's put it to a vote uh i would consider i would put it on the list i would uh, too i think just because it's among my favorite films probably okay at least top now, is there are there certain requirements or not requirements, but are there certain things that make an ensemble film a better ensemble film, or are these just ensemble films so. that 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 are really good films? You know what I mean? Like, is this? We're not ranking these. We're not doing like these are the best ensembles. We're not doing like these best use their ensemble aspect, whatever. Yeah. Where these are. Movies that we consider ensemble movies, and then we are putting them in order of which one is best. Straight up Just best, purely. our favorite. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that's a big part of it for me, I think. And it, so you're also keeping it? Sure, I don't really care. Okay. <laughs> There's another movie that I never appreciated I enough. God, I'm not about all this. You're so, so, you get me down, Sean. You get me so down. Okay, the next film is Animal House, a John Landis film set in the early 1960s. It is the story of 
the drunkest and probably dumbest fraternity ever in a movie, maybe. And that's uh, Delta House. And it's just, uh, I think, uh, using education or like a college or background is, is such perfect um, to set up for a comedy movie because it's so easy to make fun of like dumb people. And so you have all these dumb guys in college and uh, a great cast, Tim Matheson, Peter Reigert, Tom Hulse, Bruce McGill, who seems really old. He plays D-Day. He's like a biker. He doesn't even go to class. <laughs> uh, Stephen First is Flounder, the fat guy. He's all nervous. He's hilarious. And, of course, John Belushi in probably his best film role as Bluto. So, Sean, you're, you're, uh, you're down on this film? Not about it? I wouldn't. I've, I'm fine with it. You're just not excited. By the time I saw Animal House, all the best scenes of Animal House have been spoiled to me. And so I was basically going to it to see the plot. Spoiled <laughs> <laughs> by who? Just, just living in the culture where a lot of the great comedy writers grew up loving Animal House were influenced by it. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I think it's hilarious and I think even though John Belushi's obviously, I don't think there's much argument that he's probably the best part of the movie. I think there's a lot of other great uh, moments. One of my favorites is in Flounder. He's just walking to these guys playing cards. He's like, so, playing cards? I mean, it's so obvious they're playing cards. And it's just, he's so, like, blissfully unaware of how, like, lame and stupid he is. And uh, not just the students, even. Like, Don Sutherland's got a small a bit part in here. He's pretty good. And uh, one of my favorites is John Vernon. He plays the dean. And I love the scene where he's lecturing them about their grade point averages. And they all have like 0. 0.2, 0. 0.1. I remember one guy's got like a slightly, it's like a 1.0. And John Lewis is like, eh, eh, not bad. Eh. <laughs> and then he, um, John Vernon, in, his, in the stone cold wig, is my favorite line where he's like, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. And he says that in like almost a sincere way. Like he's trying to reach these guys, but they're just so dumb that he kind of just gives up. But I'm a big fan, but I'll, I'll, I'll understand if, if everyone else isn't as into it as I am. That's okay. I have actually never seen it. What? I saw it a while ago. It sounds like you've seen it quite a few times, right? Sure, definitely. Yeah, I, it, I've it, only it, seen it once. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's fine. It's a fun little movie, but I, I'm not in love with it or anything. I, I just I would just like to see it get, get some, a little love. So... By, by love, I mean just mention on this list. So I'm fine. We can move ahead. I just wanted to uh, touch on that because I'm a fan. Okay. So you can uh, knock I'm it. I'm surprised it went down so easy. <laughs> so next up is Best in Show. Sure is. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure this is my favorite of the Christopher Guest movies, even above the Spinal Tap. Really? Yeah. Above what? Spinal Tap. You see, I don't really consider... I mean, I guess that it's not... I guess it's the same. It's still a mockumentary, yeah. but Rob Reiner film. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Similar people. Um, just because this was my first one that I saw in theaters, actually. It was pitched to me horribly. My dad was like, let's go see this dog show movie. It'll be real fun. <laughs> I couldn't have been less excited to go see it. But it turned out to be just hysterical. 
and uh, I, I still find it really funny. I, I think it's one of the, the best of his fake documentary cast of characters because they all have these weird, bizarre character attributes. I mean, you got, like, the, the lesbians who, like, one of them is actually married to, like, a super old guy. And <laughs> they both like soup. They both like soup. That's, that's, the, that's like the thing they have in common. It's the one thing they have. And they're like sitting in silence, not saying anything <laughs> to each other. And uh, Eugene Levy has two left feet. Literally. So when he dances, he just goes in a circle. And of course, I think most people's favorite character in this movie is probably Christopher Guest plays Harlan Pepper, kind of this redneck kind of guy with his bloodhound. And he just talks about the weirdest things, like when he's talking about how I used to be able to name every kind of nut. Uh, macadamia nut, peanut, cashew nut. <laughs> and, my, and I think it's those great moments that come from improvisation. And these, this troupe, this comedy troupe, which has no weak links as far as I'm concerned, has to be some of the best... Uh, this has to be some of the best improvisation just captured on film. It's so, like, all over the place at, in points, too. Like, Fred Willard is probably my favorite um, member of the Christopher Guest troupe. And he plays the dog announcer in this. And I just, I seem to recall, like, all his announcing has, like, very little to do with the actual dog show. It's like, they probably just said, hey, say something funny, and they just kept shooting it again, and then they slowly (laughs) compiled it. Like, I remember him just saying, like, tell me, which one of these dogs would you want as your wide receiver? (laughs) Like, what the hell is he talking about? Or he's like, which one do you think would win in a race? He's like, I really don't know. It's like, no, just guess. You know, you put him in a race. Which one would? Come I feel out? like I feel like that character is is like they just got this guy, like this regular sports announcer, and offered him a dog show gig, and so he was just trying to relate to it the best. <laughs> he could, you know? I think, yeah, I think so, but. Just every single person in this movie, even some of the, the lesser-known probably members of the Christopher Guest group, like Michael Hitchcock, he has a bigger role in this one. He's Parker Posey's husband, and they have their dog, and they're always arguing. Like, he's even really good. Everyone just shines, and they work so great as a group, and I think that's what makes Best in Show so great. Yeah, it's a phenomenal comedy, and I'd be happy to put this on the list. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's what I... But what about Boogie Nights? Boogie Nights. That song's not in the movie, is it? Boogie Nights by Heatwave. I thought it was. Could, I, for some reason, I thought they couldn't get the rights, but maybe it is in there. I'm not sure. Great soundtrack. But anyways, Boogie Nights is a film about the porno industry uh, in the late 70s and kind of the evolution of it. And it follows Mark Wahlberg, who plays Dirk Diggler. And there's a lot of other um, kind of interesting and unique and oddball characters in this. You know, you got Burt Reynolds as porn director and uh, also we got John C. Riley as a porn actor. He's, of course, my favorite part of it. Yeah. Uh, Anyone want to take it from here? It's weird looking back on this, seeing that this is how uh, Paul Thomas Anderson started his career with these ensemble pieces with these huge sprawling cast and people are like, oh, Paul Thomas Anderson, he's going to be the next Robert Altman, whom none of his films are up for consideration on this, which they should be. But And then he goes and makes There Will Be Blood and Punch Drunk Love, which are so focused on one character. So it's... He didn't go that way. Yeah. 
he's all fuck the police. <laughs> I'll make what I want. Yeah, you, yeah. Can't, you can't get much more or much less ensemble than There Will Be Blood. It's yeah. <laughs> one guy, basically. Doing all the work. Uh, but what I like about Boogie Nights in terms of it as an ensemble film is that you, you see how each of these characters change with the times, like how Burt Reynolds, like he's having trouble making the transition from film to video. And then Don Cheadle's like trying to open a stereo store, but he can't because he's got a porn background. And I love seeing how these characters have to change with the times. And it's sometimes funny, it's sometimes dramatic, but it's always really compelling. And it's not... It's so weird that a movie about porn is not really sexy at all, ever. It's all so, uh, you know, the sex scenes are so work-like and gross and sad sometimes, too. Especially, Especially with, yeah, go ahead. Uh, later on in the movie when, when people bottom out and resort to prostitution and, and other bad ideas. It's... It gets kind of brutal later yeah, on. <laughs> and, and, and and all the scenes with William H. Macy, like, and his wife. She's, oh, yeah. like, just making love, like, in front of, like, everybody. They're just, like, watching, like, out in the open. Like, she doesn't even care. And, of course, William H. Macy, that leads to some pretty dark stuff. But, uh, yeah. It's a hell of a film. I don't know yeah. if I need it on the list. I like it. I like yeah, it. I feel the same way. Well, in that case, it'll probably get bumped. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Here's another movie that is long. Bridge <laughs> on the River Kwai. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's all I got that's similar. Okay. Uh, David Lean. Great house. Uh, and it is about... You know, it's about Alec Guinness, if you really get down to it. It's about all those guys... Well, they were they were they they were prisoners, right? And they had to build a bridge. Yes, that is the, the deal. Enemy. They were prisoners of war, and they were contracted by their captors to build a bridge. And the thing is, they get so proud and British about it that they stop <laughs> acting like prisoners. Like in another movie on our list, uh, The Great Escape, they they uh, you know go full blown into we're just these great, amazing bridge builders and we're going to build this bridge that will last eons it will be the greatest bridge ever built and it's it's a it's a real cool story and a real cool film but just now it's occurring to me this is a, it's a real alec guinness movie yeah it doesn't and, feel as much like an ensemble because i could just just think of those four main characters mm-hmm. alec guinness william holden the japanese guy and the one other guy jack warden i think plays I don't know. If I can only think of the first two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a great film, but I am having trouble remembering it as an ensemble film. I mean, I know as a group they did some great whistling, if I recall, <laughs> and uh, some good scenes. Yeah, great film, but I don't know if it quite fits the mold uh, here. Do you know the guy who wrote the book of that also wrote Planet of the Apes? Oh yeah. What if David Lean had done Planet of the Apes? Can you imagine that? It would have been much longer. Would have. At Al Guinness, maybe. 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 <laughs> so anyways, that has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about. Um, you think if that happens, Alec Guinness doesn't do Star Wars? And then Charlton Heston does Star Wars. And then, yes! Luke, use you know. the force, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like fighting Vader. He's like, get your damn hands off of me. 
feel like he, he, he would not old. use a lightsaber. He would insist on using a gun. <laughs> <laughs> like not a, not a blaster, like a real just like a, a real rifle. Gun. Like, <laughs> like a rifle. He takes his own life. He doesn't want Vader to have the satisfaction. <laughs> I'll take my own life. I'm bringing myself out of this world. And joining God in the movie The City of God, the next on our list. Brazilian film about, well, all sorts of things, really. Just the city of uh, Rio, right? Rio de Janeiro? I think so. It's, it's been a while. Mm. It's probably been about four years since I've seen City of God. I really enjoyed it, though it's another one where I didn't immediately occur to me. It's like, that was an ensemble film? I mean, I remember there being – it followed two boys and kind of their, the past they take and all the, the people they meet on their journeys. Yeah, that's, that's why I was thinking ensemble is more just because – I mean, Rocket is the main character. That's obvious, but – uh, he meets these other people and, and spends a good while showing you their lives. And, uh, you know, like Sue George, I feel like he just meets him on the bus or something and then they don't have too much interaction. But we follow his character becoming like the, the rival to the the other character who's like the, at that point, the the main right gang lord. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember anyone's name. But I can't remember and maybe you can help me remember uh, i feel like it was a kind of a revolving door of characters like i don't remember there being like consistent characters i feel like they met a lot of different people i could be wrong cause it's been yeah there's while. there's like maybe three people that are there in the beginning and also the end mm-hmm. everyone else gets killed off at some point because I, I i mean i feel like an ensemble movie should follow maybe a bigger group and for you follow that same group through the, the film when I feel like with City of God you kind of have like I said a revolving door of different characters and I guess that there the, a lot of people I don't know just a lot of people um, equal an ensemble I don't think so I think so, so as good God, as is it, Rat Race on this list no <laughs> <laughs> why not oh, damn it <laughs> but yeah I don't think City of God is uh, um quite making it so yeah i think you're right there okay rat race probably wouldn't make it either oh not it does have smash mouth it sure does that's an ensemble right there yes smash mouth a confusing choice days and confuses our next i see what terrible segue (laughs) (laughs) is our next film uh which is about teenagers growing up in the 70s, 76, if I remember, because it's the bicentennial, and they're growing up in Austin. And since it's basically a movie about kids hanging out, you, you really, the characters have to carry the movie because there isn't a plot. And I think the characters do carry the movie very well. And uh, I think it is, a, it is a very strong ensemble film. Sure is. But it's also one of our favorite high school movies. So, I don't see how that doesn't have anything to do. Yeah, with this list, yeah. So. We're just not very excited. Stop about bringing it, it about. <laughs> um, yeah, it is, I mean, I think these, we kind of undersold it actually on that last podcast. I think it's a really good movie, a really funny movie. Like, uh, if you listen to our podcast, do you think people would have listened, would have seen that movie by now? Probably Maybe. not. We didn't even say it took place in the seventies, if I recall. <laughs> yeah, this is. A, 
we don't we don't really explain the movies we talk about enough. We just kind of go into how we feel about them. We gotta oh, always make sure we give a little synopsis mm, too. Mm. We're just trying to get through this yeah. thing. It's got a long <laughs> list. I feel like maybe that's necessary for lesser known movies, but perhaps not Dazed and Confused. Well, I don't know how how well known it is. That's just always the the modern youth. That's always my least favorite favorite part of movie reviews is when they explain the plot. So I have no problem with cutting out that part. Anyways, but yeah, I mean, I like how each of the characters kind of they explore their own uh, their philosophies. Like, uh, what's his name? Adam Goldberg is that the actor's name? That is yeah. an actor's name. Yeah, I love how he's ta- he has that story about talking about how he was going to be like a lawyer, but then he, he doesn't like the people he was going to choose to defend. Like he's waiting in line at the bank and he's behind this guy who just like got drool running down his mouth. He's like, ew, you know, like I don't like these people. And I find it interesting how you get to go into the head of each character. And they're all, they're all real strong and they're all real. So I think that's what makes it a good ensemble film. All right. Yeah. I like Days and Confused. It's really good. I'm not going to cut it yet. And even though it's already on the list. Oh, fight through the pain. Fight through the pain. <laughs> How about Diner? A movie I know little to nothing about. <laughs> John, have you seen Diner? Yes. Good. Do you like it? Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> I the characters. Um, I was I was a little surprised that it's not really doesn't seem to be about anything. Yeah, so. not I like it. It's a lot like Dazed and Confused. It's basically it's like, it's guys like hanging out, except they're in their twenties, so it's kind of a little more sad. Last time yeah. I watched this movie, it reminded of my life right now, like a lot. <laughs> I was like, "Yep, this is us. Just guys in their twenties hanging out. Maybe it's time to move on." That sounds like a real, best of times, uh, real positive outlook on everything, Colin. I'm glad to hear that. That you, That's how you think of us in a depressing kind of way, because I don't know it's depressing. We have a good time. I can't, <laughs> I can't say that, I, that I'm depressed watching this movie and hanging out with these characters. I love, uh, I love Diner. But, but yeah, for this is basically about these guys in their 20s, and it's in the 1950s Baltimore, I guess. And they come back because one of the guys is getting married. Steve Gutenberg is getting married. And they're all come just getting back together and hanging out and talking about stuff. Uh, I like Mickey Rourke a lot in this movie, personally. Yeah. It's weird for me to think Mickey Rourke is in a movie with Paul Reiser <laughs> and that they interact. I guess. <laughs> they both live through it. But uh, a good cast. Um, I always loved Daniel Stern. Even when he was that uh, a stupid, crazy guy in that baseball movie. Yeah. I'm always a fan. I think it's I think it's a real good cast. But I think the fact I mean, even though with Dazed and Confused, I liked the fact that it didn't really have much plot. This one I kind of felt like a, a little more to kind of keep it going. I, I feel like I, it could have ended at any time. I mean, I, I, like once again, you can say the same thing for Dazed and Confused, but I guess I'm just more into maybe the time period and more interested in a few of the things you're talking about. But I, I liked Diner, but I didn't love it. How many guys did we talk about in this group? There was six. six. All right. That's Steve Gutenberg, right. uh, Mickey Rourke, Paul Reiser, Daniel Stern, Kevin Bacon, and some other guy. I don't know if he was anyone notable. That's Tim Daly. Tim Daly, yeah. Yeah, from, from Wings. Wings. <laughs> and the voice of Superman on the animated series Superman. Interesting. That's true. 
I can confirm that. <laughs> Not the voice okay. of Superman in Justice League or Justice League Unlimited. All right. No, well, <laughs> this obviously isn't Megan if two of us haven't seen it and John's just kind of likes it. Nancy has nothing to say about this movie. What movie are we talking about, Nancy? What is its title? Diner. There you go. I had to think for a second. <laughs> well done, though. Well done. All right, moving ahead uh, is Fast Times at Ridgemont High, a high school movie in the 80s about bored teenagers. And it's funny. Thoughts? It is our fa- second favorite high school, <laughs> high school movie. movie. So that's got to say something about our enjoyment of Judge Reinhold, if nothing else. Our, yes, that's what. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. But no, I, I think a high school movie needs a good ensemble cast, at least... It helps because, you know, there's all these students and it's interesting to see how they all go through the experience. But yeah, Judge Reinhold, I really like. I don't know if he's my favorite. I like, Sean Penn is pretty good. Spicoli. I think we said that, enough about it, Sean it, Penn. It, that's what he, he should have got his Oscar for, if you ask me. Yeah. His best, his best work. <laughs> uh, hey, bud, let's party. Poetry. Yeah, he wrecks that car and it's funny. Right. I'm just all about him and Mr. Hand. I love that relationship. Yeah, and he thinks everyone's on dope. Or Mr. Hand comes to his house and makes him do homework for wasting all his time. That is hilarious. It's like, awesome. That's like my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> you to your house and you have to like, you just have to learn. Great scenes. Great, great comedy in there. How do you feel about the rest? I mean, aside from Sean Penn and maybe Judge Reinhold, how do you feel about everyone else though? Like Damone and everything and the nerdy guy. Do you like them? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I think they're fine. Not, not as much, though. Not as much. So I think I think that is it probably uh, may, uh, a, a reason it won't make it onto this list. We don't quite as love everybody equally. There's just there's some really standout characters, and the other ones are just kind of solid. Yeah. So I don't think it's yeah. going to make. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not making the list, is that what you're saying? I don't Sean. think so. I don't need it on the list because I already put it on a list. Uh, it I has have... been listed. Okay. Previously. Just got to okay. do the right thing, Colin. Yep. That was one that John uh, skipped over. Yeah, because people can see our Why list. Why did I even say that? Okay, so <laughs> do the right thing. Film from Spike Lee and uh, another one that doesn't really have that much of a plot. I mean, you have this. And yet it does. And it does because there's this climax that happens, which is obviously the most famous part of the movie where, uh, you know, Spike Lee throws the trash can through the window. It's all racially charged and stuff. And there's this, I guess, race riot, basically. But, I mean, I, I love the fact that it is kind of plotless, too, in that they just set up what it's like in this one day on this one block in Brooklyn. And I love all the side characters. I love those the old black old guys. Man. Those guys are fucking hilarious. Yeah. I love just old black guys talking shit about each other. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and lots of other good stuff, too. Yeah, there's a, there's a... I mean, there's so much to that movie. I mean, you got the, the pizza shop family. You got... Radio Raheem and his 
power fighting Samuel ways. Jackson overseeing Samuel all of Jackson it. putting a team together. <laughs> it's a hell of a film. I mean, that's that's definitely a movie where you, you're going to feel something by the end of it. I think so. There's not a lot of movies that can guarantee that, like Do the Right Thing can. I would even say that it, it kind of, I would say one of the important films of the 80s. It feels like it really represents its time in a way that people of other generations should know. This is what it was like. Definitely important in kind of the rise of, directors being like the leaders of their movies again you know because like they had that in the 70s and then it kind of fell out in the 80s and the studios more took over and then i feel like the late 80s and the early 90s you had people like tarantino and spike lee who were like really putting their touch on their films uh personally for do the right thing it's one that i like but i don't love just because of how intense it is i it makes me uncomfortable everyone yelling at each other i mean i know that's what it's about is it's kind of about like racial tension coming out they're the sensitive moments. Um, but it, it just makes me, like, uh, uncomfortable, and I, I just find it, it's a downer for me. So uh, I, 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 that's, that, that, that's, that's all I have to I say about it. I feel like it's a downer, really. Well, I mean, it is, but... That riot you're talking about results in people dead. <laughs> and this one's true, I guess. Not that fun. <laughs> okay. So. Well, I assume everyone's going to be affected by that film in different ways, and that's just how I felt. I, you know, it's just... Uh, I don't know, uncomfortable or sad. I don't think so, we're going to talk about Spike Lee that much on these lists. And just, This is probably his best film. Yeah. I guess that's a pretty weak argument, though. Uh, I think it's a great film regardless of whether we're going to talk about Spike well, Lee or not. But uh, John doesn't feel the same way, so I don't know. I just always try to remember that these lists are... Not necessarily the best, just the ones we like the best. Uh, I mean, I like it a lot. <laughs> How many times? Two. Have you watched it again? Yeah, I watched it this summer, and I loved it even more. Were you really? like, it's hot out, so I'm going to watch this movie. Basically, you got to watch that movie in the summer. Suffer. Watch it when you're, it's really cold out, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that seems nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, let's just leave you it. You'll be the deciding factor, Sean. What let's, do you say? I say let's leave it alone for now and keep going down the list because okay. it's a great movie. Next up on the list is Glengarry Glen Ross. Another play movie. Yeah. Movie play. And, of course, David sure Mamet. Pretty David cool. Mamet off his own play. He also did the film, if I recall. He didn't direct it. I know that. But he, but he wrote it, right? Yeah, he wrote it. Wrote the screenplay and everything. And so I real estate agents, and only so that much of them were going to get fired. Only two guys were well, no, going to stay No, their on. sales are down, and everyone's... And so Alec Baldwin comes in and says, you guys could get fired. I thought that was the thing. They all get fired, except for one guy gets a Cadillac, and the other guy gets a set of steak knives. Isn't that the thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Third. First and second. <laughs> third third prize, you're fired. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally. So, I mean, just amazing cast. Jesus. <laughs> Jack Levin, Al Pacino, Ed Harris... Uh, Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin. <laughs> and... Kevin Spacey. And yeah. Alec Baldwin. Alec fucking Baldwin. 
fucking shit up for one Titanic it, scene. A character invented for the movie, if I recall, it wasn't in the play, and it's it's funny because he's probably he's maybe my favorite part of the movie. He just just kills that one that scene. scene. <laughs> Definitely the most famous scene for that movie. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's really just entertaining to see actors just sink their teeth into these kind of, this kind of dialogue and these kind of scenes. So it's a lot of uh, fun to watch the performances. And what elevates this over other play movies that we could possibly consider, you know, something like Doubt, is you've got just a big enough cast and everyone you get to spend some time with. Everyone gets, like, one juicy scene where they have, you know, that ridiculous David Mamet amazing dialogue. And they, you know, I mean, I mean, just think about it. you got the Pacino scene where he's making the sales pitch of that bar. you, you got the... The whole car plan to steal the card scene. I mean, Alec Baldwin, obviously. Even Kevin Spacey gets some pretty sweet yelling at people scenes, if you think about it. He makes Jack Lemmon feel pretty bad about himself. I love how he's the elderly guy and everyone cheats him like, shit, it's so sad. Like, Alec Baldwin's like, you piece of shit. What, uh, what does he say? Clothes drink coffee. You don't drink coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something like that. He's pour himself a cup of coffee. It Alec doesn't Baldwin get to won't have it. <laughs> so is sales. it is it a contender? In your guys' opinion? I suppose it just uses the well, I guess that's not something we're thinking about, but it uses the ensemble so well. Yeah, it does. Uh and if you're telling me that Alec Baldwin scene wasn't even in the the play then yeah it's it's a pretty great movie it's not of great adaptation then it, it transcends it <laughs> to the next level i don't know if we can say that for sure but okay yeah as someone who's never seen the play and knows nothing about it i'm pretty pretty comfortable making that statement uh let's stop talking about this let's make an escape to the great escape prison movies are good for ensembles apparently but not all prison movies just a couple. Like The Great Escape. Also yes. makes me think of people whistling. Epic story <laughs> of a bunch of guys in a German POW camp. I think what I like about this movie in terms of it being an ensemble movie is that uh, there's so many different characters, but to kind of differentiate them, each one has like a specific title and role like in The Escape. You know, you have James Garner, his, his reputation, his nickname, he's The Scrounger. And... Yeah, so he's good at getting stuff, and it it, it it suits his personality. It corresponds with his personality in that he's like charming and slick. He's the kind of guy you you could believe could get stuff. And you have Charles Bronson. He's the tunnel king. Builds he makes tunnels, and he's got this kind of quiet uh, determination. And Donald Pleasance, the forger, and he's he's a quiet, studious type. They 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 give these uh, these roles to, to each of them so that we can remember who they are and that, to make them memorable. Because there's so many characters, but they're all they're all pretty entertaining. I love this movie. I think it's real exciting. True story. This movie, because I believe they're all British. So, and nobody wants to see a bunch of British guys escape. Apparently, pretty much all British. People would rather see Steve McQueen ride his motorcycle over barbed wire. I'm sure that happened too. Almost. How do you guys feel about The Great Escape? I really like The Great Escape. It's, uh... And, I mean, if you're thinking about it as an ensemble, uh, I went into that thinking, oh, this is going to be a Steve McQueen movie about Steve McQueen. 
And that's not even close to like that. He's not even my favorite character. I'm all about the the commander guy, the guy in charge, whatever. Whoever he is. Richard Attenborough? Yeah. he's. I think he was like Big X or Mr. X. <laughs> I had nothing to do with pornography. Uh, it was just his... Uh, yeah, this is World War II. That way too dignified to know that. Yeah. But, you know, I like the fact that each character... Everyone kind of has equal screen time. And and they're all really strong parts. There's not like, oh, we have to watch this guy. I don't give a shit. I hope this guy gets murdered. It's nothing like that. Hell no. I mean, you've seen The Great Escape, right? You want everyone to escape. Were you asking Nancy? me or Na- oh, Nancy? I was asking yeah. Nancy. I, I watched it in Paul's room. I remember <laughs> that. I was there. <laughs> Paul is my brother, and he's obsessed with this movie. He has a t-shirt of it. He has a, The Cooler King, which is Steve McQueen's character on his bike. Uh, he had a t-shirt of that. But do you, do you enjoy it? Yeah. I know it's a very long movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I got a little disinterested after they escaped. Oh, oh, that's the best part. Yeah, I just got kind of bored. Maybe it was because I was so uncomfortable sitting on Paul's floor. But, uh, <laughs> that was a long time ago. I don't know. Really... It's tough to watch a long movie if you're not comfortable. Yeah. But, uh, but I think this is a movie that needed to be long because there's so many people. Yeah. I mean, the story is it's like like 20 guys way more than that probably escaped from a prison so it's got it's kind of got to be long if they want to do the story the true story justice which they probably didn't because I'm sure it's incredibly inaccurate but still <laughs> uh, yeah I'm, I'm a big fan Colin? yeah I mean I like it I'm not in love with it mm-hmm. I guess the characters I don't I can't remember any of the characters traits that much really so I don't know I don't find them as memorable I've only seen it once and it's not that clear in my mind, so maybe I'm not qualified, but I'm not okay. in love with it. I like it. I think it's pretty good. I've only seen it like twice, though, to be honest. If this is a thing now that qualifies I our... guess, maybe... I don't know. <laughs> but it sounds like it's staying on if you guys yeah, like it Yeah, I don't see any reason to cut it yet. Unless... I'd love to keep it on for a little bit. Some deep grudge. A little bit. A little bit longer. Ah, that's a great Michael Caine impression you're doing. You clearly <laughs> jumped ahead to Hannah and her sisters. <laughs> I like this yeah. movie quite a bit. Because I saw it with Colin. Yeah. That's the only that's reason. Why, that's why you like it. That's why I like it. <laughs> if you had seen it with Colin, you would have hated it. I would have hated it with every fiber of my being. It's good to know that my my presence has such a positive effect on your movie going experience. And yeah, this is see for me. I'm a huge Woody Allen fan, and I I can never choose what my favorite is. It's always between this Crimes and Misdemeanors or Annie Hall. I can never choose. I love all three so much. And uh, Hannah and Her Sisters is one that it seems kind of plotless, but after seeing it a few times, I feel like it's like really tightly constructed. And. Uh, I love it. <laughs> How would you describe the plot of this movie? Uh, well, it's about you know, people in their 40s, basically. Uh, Michael Caine's having an extramarital affair with uh, his wife's sister. Meanwhile, Woody Allen is having this existential crisis. He thinks he's got cancer or something. And then he finds out that he doesn't, and yet... That causes him to think that life doesn't matter at all. And then he... Oh, God, yeah, that scene with his dad talking about death. 
That is a pretty sweet scene. You know what I'm talking about? No. Why don't I remember that? Woody Allen's talking to his dad, and he's like, aren't you worried you're going to die someday? And he's like, I'll worry about it when I'm dead. It's great. Yeah. Is that the same scene where he goes, why were there Nazis? And he goes, how should I know? I don't know how the can opener works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like this movie in a nutshell. (laughs) We'll never understand life. That's... uh, I think that's the whole philosophy of Woody Allen. We can try, and all all we can deal with it is comedy, really. It's great. I have no strong feelings either way, so do what you must. because you didn't get to see it with Colin. Yeah. (laughs) Unless you went behind my back, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) No, I did not have in her sister's relations with another man. <laughs> so I guess that's uh, staying on there for now. Next up would be Heat. Bring in the heat. Thrilling cop drama action flick. Some intense stuff going on there. Yep, I think this is another one that we could say it has two main characters instead of an ensemble. Because there's Pretty much. not that much of the other. I mean, you do I get to know like the other guys. Is. The team. That's why it's like three hours long. Because you get into these other backstories too. I feel like a little bit, but not not nearly not the ton. depth that you get with the other two. No, and I think that's. I mean, I think yeah, with an ensemble, it's got to be fairly even, and it's pretty clearly, you know, this is the Robert De Niro story and the Robert De Niro side of things. And we follow these characters because they're important to the Robert De Niro story. And then here's the Al Pacino character and the Al Pacino side of things. And we get to know the other characters, you know, kind of like you said, because a long movie and it can afford to spend some time with them. Tell us about his horrible, horrible marriage and Uh everything about his life seems pretty sad. Uh, but but yeah, very thrilling. I find it kind of disappointing that Pacino and De Niro just have that one scene together. But it's still two I scenes. Mean, maybe that made hands. it better. Maybe that made it better because then they did Righteous Kill uh, a couple years ago, and I saw that, and it was really bad. So don't see Righteous Kill. <laughs> see he. Maybe it was good. Maybe it was good for them to have that one scene. Well, I, I can't imagine anyone who hadn't seen Heat having some desire to see Righteous Kill. Well, it's, they, they're in every scene together practically. It's just they're it's really melodramatic and really bad action movie. I feel like there's probably some really bad rapper who had a major role in it. <laughs> I think I heard somewhere that the opening credits of Righteous Kill are them at a shooting range. And then later on in that opening credits, they, like, get out machine guns at the shooting range. Yeah. They think they're so cool. Oh, yeah. 50 Cent was in there. <laughs> nice. But, no, really, uh, really bad. But back to Heat. Sounds like uh, he's I not mean, making it because I kind yeah, of agree I, with what Sean's yeah. saying. I agree with Sean. I yeah. mean, you know, like, Pirates of the Caribbean has a lot of characters. and But it's pretty obviously there's three main characters. All right. All right. Okay. Agreed. I don't know why that's the example of the pop store. I feel like most movies that aren't ensemble movies have a lot of characters. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just thinking like, you know, the latter terrible Pirates of the Caribbean movies spent a long time with boring British Commodore guy who, and uh, God, I, I hate those. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine, definitely an ensemble. No doubt about it. 
What? What? I don't know. I mean, tell me if I'm totally off on this, but I feel like Ensemble to me is kind of, you have a lot of characters and they all have their own little plot line. Does that make sense? I feel like that movie is more about one family as, I kind of view the family as a character and they don't really do separate things. They're always... Well, they definitely have their own little things. I mean, Paul Dano, he wants to be a pilot and Steve Crowley has that whole fiasco where where he got, would he get fired? He something? tried to commit suicide because the other guy. Oh yeah, because the other guy got the. The uh, is officially the. Yeah, but I feel like those are little things. I don't know. It's like a, a Proust scholarship thing or something. You, I something mean, they may, they may share. They may share every scene together, but you definitely get in the head of each character and yeah. their desires and everything. Okay. Not a lot of the scenes are them all talking to each other. It's they even in the van they break up into little conversations. And they all have their own little arc, like John was saying. You know, even the grandpa has dying arc. <laughs> I just love how he's like a drug addict. You know, he's like, "I'm old. Who cares?" He's like doing heroin. That's a pretty stuff. good impression. That's yeah. what I want to be like when I'm old. I like if I live that long, I just want to be like, you know what? Whatever. I'm just start doing drugs because what's the matter? That's the dream. <laughs> Gotta make it to retirement so I can become a heroin addict. Um, but yeah, this that's, probably that's the deal. This probably just falls under the category for me of a movie I like. I just don't. <clears throat> I just don't love. I mean, I like it a lot, but I just it's not, it's not top ten for me. That's how I feel. I would say so too. You know what, guys? Yeah. This movie is set in New Mexico and features Dean Norris and Brian Cranston in its cast. How can you not like it? How can you not totally, like it? I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, Dean Dean Norris is totally the guy who like. He pulls them over, and then he's looking like at the his porno magazines. And then there's like the one with like it's like um, the men's porno magazine. Yep. <laughs> like, like, oh yeah, you like this? Huh? And it goes on for like a long time. He's like yeah, going through each magazine. Cute, cute family. Yeah. <laughs> Great scene. Brian Cranston Kans- doesn't really do much, but no, that's an interesting little little side, little Breaking movie. Bad, little connection. Breaking Bad. I-, I love that kind of stuff. I love Little Miss Sunshine. It's real funny and super dark too. That's not a combination you always get that, and it's certainly not a combination that always succeeds. Like, especially the one with children too. <laughs> yeah, like they go to that the the actual Little Miss Sunshine. And that's maybe the funniest part because I mean they're pointing out these little kids in the pageant and just how weird and disgusting a thing it really is. You know, way before there's that reality show about terrible moms. I think is the title of the show. <laughs> Or it should be, at least. Well, well, let me ask you this, Sean. Would you want to put this uh, up for consideration? I don't think it would make it at this point. Hearing I mean, if you're, if you're that passionate, I might be, hearing your I might fairly be willing to change. I might be willing to change my mind considering how many we end up with. Because I don't know how many we're at. Maybe we'll have too many. I don't know. I mean, this this has this had a pretty sweet effect on most of the people in this movie's career. I think I think a lot of these actors weren't getting to be in movies that often anymore, or yet in their life. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think it was about the breakout. Paul Dano or yeah. Abigail, Abigail Breslin, and even Steve Carell has kind of paved the way for his acting career. Yeah, because Steve Carell he, he filmed this before he was a movie star, and. He, I think it came out after Forty Year Old Virgin, didn't it? Didn't yeah, that but that, that didn't that do anything way? for him. <laughs> I think this was definitely a big boost. Yeah, definitely an important film and in, in, uh, in making a lot of actors more well known and everything. I like it. 
maybe not cut it yet, but then cut it later, secretly, behind my back. Cut it, cut it later, secretly, sounds like a plan. Well, let's just keep going. How about Network? Super prophetic movie about the downfall of television, basically. Uh, it seems like every Aaron Sorkin pilot has to riff on network now. I don't get what, I don't know if anyone's seen the, the trailer for the new Aaron Sorkin show. Yeah. The guy basically pulls a network. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's exactly how studio 60 started as well. But that, I, I guess that just shows you how great network is that even a great screenwriter like Aaron Sorkin he even did a nod to network at his Oscar acceptance speech for the social network. <laughs> Seriously. He loves it that much. And so do I. This is one of my favorite films of all time. Maybe my favorite, honestly. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think it probably deserves to be. It's a great film. Okay, I'm I, glad I, I have that. I, I, no, I try to watch Network like every year. Uh-huh. I don't even have to try. It just happens every year <laughs> at some point. Time to watch Network. Uh, it's, it's so raw, man. It's such a... It's like half... Of the time you're seeing things, you're like, this can't be how the real world works. And then the other half of the time, you're like, no, that's probably exactly how the real world works. Like, I don't, I don't know if all of it is, though, but some of it is just such a fascinating commentary on yeah. how our world works. And even if it's blown out of proportion, there's so much truth in it that you can't help but be like, yeah, in a weird way, this is the world we live in. <laughs> and that's what I love about Network is it takes on so many big ideas, even though it and it's, this is the world we live in now, and they were making this movie in, in the 70s. In the yeah. 70s. And a great ensemble cast, too. I mean, Peter Finch is obviously a great scene stealer, but I love William Holden in this movie just as much. I think it's one of his best performances. Robert Duvall. I love Robert Duvall. <laughs> he's always sort of the unsung hero of the films he's in. Uh, oh, I love Robert Duvall. Ned Beatty's got that fucking amazing scene. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Bale. It's amazing. Don't forget, because I just forgot, that woman who won Beatrice Strait. Yeah. She's, oh, yeah. I mean, that just shows the strength of the, the entire cast that someone who has, like, ten minutes of screen time can win an Oscar. <laughs> I mean, it, that's it, right? Like 10 minutes or something? I feel like if it's that, less. I feel like it's more like less. five minutes. <laughs> that just shows the strength of your cast when someone who's only in the movie for 10 minutes is considered Oscar-worthy. It also shows how terrible the supporting actress nominee tends to be. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe that year. Maybe. I don't know. Who should, who should be up against? You would have been up against, like, Adrian. Yeah, maybe Jodie Foster? I don't know. Oh, well, it's okay, but you know. <laughs> She's pretty good in Taxi Driver. It's yeah. interesting, though. You seen Network, Matthew? He was there when we watched it. Remember? Yeah. What did you think? Of? I liked it. Good enough. I'm keeping it on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of these movies I saw so long ago, one time. That I mean, I had a positive experience, but I can't really comment on that. I, well, what I about watch it every year, like you guys? You should, you should try to watch Network more often. <laughs> what do you think I about... Really, I've only seen it that one time. Oh, yeah? What do you think about network parties every year? Sounds good to me. Network party? <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, what do you think of Ocean's Eleven, Matthew? I know you huge fan. I've seen it once. <laughs> about ten years ago on an airplane. <laughs> on an airplane, eh? The definition of I thought you saw fan. Ocean's Twelve on an airplane. I don't think I ever saw it. I haven't seen the sequels. Oh, really? 
I remember really liking it. I remember thinking, wow, this is really cool. It sure is. It's pretty cool. Maybe the coolest movie ever. On the I don't really remember anything like plot-wise about it. I just remember yeah, like the Robin a casino. Yeah. I just remember at the end like when all the stripper notes came out and I was like, "Whoa." Oh uh, yeah. Uh, oh shit. As <laughs> I said on the airplane. <laughs> but, but yeah, so he's, I saw it just a couple days ago. And uh, I enjoyed it. I, I I love how ridiculous it is. Like they're they're undertaking what's like uh, the greatest like robbery of all time and but and all they have to say about it is like just a bunch of like these the like, catty one-liners and everything like that's just all they Brad do Pitt's right? all Even just though, snacking on junk food yeah I, I just love how kind of smug they are about the fact that they're undertaking something so ridiculous and preposterous that would put them in jail for like hundreds of years and stuff <laughs> <laughs> isn't there a part of that movie where they like shut down a couple blocks like of vegas uh, yeah, Don Cheadle, like, power. builds, like, this weird bomb thing <laughs> that, like, shuts down all of the power in Las Vegas for 30 seconds so that George Clooney and, um, Matt Damon can, could slide down this big, like, kind of tube thing with all these lasers. But they turn off the lasers so they can get to the bottom. And you know what? This is exactly the kind of movie where you just refer to all the characters by the actor playing them. You, yeah. <laughs> there's no reason to learn their names. So what does that say about this movie? Well, it's, I know, Dan- I know Danny Ocean. But then again, I just thought... I, I haven't maybe. seen it, by the way. And Look, if we're going back to just the raw, is this a good or bad movie, it's probably not of the ten best on this list. But it's so cool. It's so fun. Like, I feel like in terms of an ensemble, it's so it fits this category so well. I feel like it's made. the example used on Wikipedia for an ensemble film, <laughs> which I find interesting. And I like the fact that this movie actually isn't long, even though it's got 11 main characters. I find that pretty incredible that they, they managed to keep it uh, so quick-paced. And I like most of them. I don't really like Don Cheadle with a British accent. Who's the guy with Casey Affleck? The other one. Scott Kahn. James Kahn's son. He's on that crappy Hawaii 5.0 remake TV show. Ah, yes. He's not very good in this either. And then there's like a Chinese acrobat who like isn't even an actor. But He's like a real Chinese sweet, acrobat. He has like sweet flips. And so I like sweet. Carl Reiner. Carl, it's really, it was really, it's a real pleasure to see Carl Reiner. In a, in a movie from the like, early 2000s because it, it uh, you know it feels like he should be long retired but he's coming out to do this he was on Parks and Rec this season oh yeah yeah as an old but, person well what else is he to play a young person <laughs> come on I mean I would put this on on here just because I think it, it, it's like the, it is the definition of an ensemble film and it, it, it I just think it fits so well but I'm admit it's not a great movie I mean I thought it was pretty good pretty fun you know i want i want to see the others now might be a little maybe want to see the others it might make this this might be a little too perfect but we could make this our official number 11 on the list okay yeah okay well you know (laughs) whatever that means it's our official number 11 i'll even write it in the blog post okay okay i'm fine with that because we got, we still got some big uh, stuff to uh, sink our teeth into. Like one flew over the cuckoo's nest, which I, I don't think I was responsible for this pick, because this is a Jack Nicholson movie starring Jack Nicholson and no other actors. It's one way to look at it, I suppose. 
<laughs> start no one else. What the hell is that? He's in an insane asylum, and he's the only person there. What am I doing here? I'd see that movie. Yeah, you probably. I've would. seen it actually. What? What's it called? It's one called "Call the Cuckoo's Nest." Oh, okay. Wait, how, I'm confused. Sean. Have you seen this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I've seen one. I, I even read the book like a real sap. So have I. Like a sap? What's that supposed to be? The book's amazing. Why are you sap? I just feel like such a sucker. Oh. Doesn't really feel like McMurphy's the main character in the book. No. It's more of an ensemble book, but yeah. we're not talking about the book. But I uh, like, yeah, I'm, go ahead. I don't know. I like the whole cast. I think they're all great. They all commit to this idea, and none of them really go too over the top, I think. And Vito, Christopher Lloyd. Brad Dorf, nominate Oscar oh, nominee yeah. for his performance as Billy, who's kind of this the shy, the shy kid. And I like the I, I don't know the actor's name, but the really nervous guy who he puts with. in charge. Yeah, yeah, who he puts in charge of sailing when they're out. And he's like, "I'm Popeye the sailor," <laughs> and of course, uh, the chief, juicy fruit. Everyone yeah. loves the chief. He's great. And yeah, you mentioned Danny Vito. There's some other weird guys in the background. Christopher Lloyd just kind of walking around like crazy and everything. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Nurse I feel like this movie, Ratchet, of course, Oscar <laughs> win. Um, but I feel like this movie is so in the head of Jack Nicholson. He's basically in every scene. It's it's his movie. So as much as I love this movie, and I love this movie a lot. I, I don't really think I don't really consider it an ensemble movie. It's clearly the main character. That's that's the deal. Seems that's, to be the case with most of the movies I chose. It's the ensemble deal. Yeah, you, you see, you're, I chose poorly. You're just you're thinking too much of great cast. You're confusing great cast with Perhaps. ensemble. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Get out of here. Is the book worth reading? Oh yeah, it's yeah. What, it might be my favorite book of all time. I don't want to be because I don't want to be a sap. No, it's amazing. Colin, haven't you read? The novelization of Phantom Menace. It is so good. I read like the first 20 pages and I was like, fuck this shit. I was seven years old. <laughs> I read it all the way before the movie even came out. I just listened to the Weird Al song. <laughs> you get the gist of it. I hate good. everything. <laughs> uh, except for Pulp Fiction, the next movie on our list. This is. I remember. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take our school reference here and take us back to elementary school when I believe it was John and Colin reenacting scenes from... Was it this or was it Reservoir Dogs that you were reenacting? It's probably this because I saw this way before I saw Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, and I was like, Tell what, me this story what the have, hell are you guys doing? I have not heard this story. I don't remember this either. Tell it, Chad. The, the, no, that was the gist of it. You were okay. like, let's do these sweet scenes. I don't remember this story either. <laughs> I don't have any memories of Pulp Fiction in the 90s. I remember when we watched Reservoir Dogs the first time, but we'll get to that. I, I distinctly remember it because I was like, Pulp Fiction, what the hell is that? I got to figure out what this is. And it took me like years to find Pulp Fiction. And then I finally saw it. And I was like, all right, all right it's a pretty good movie. Saw it for the first time on TV. Not the ideal way to see Pulp Fiction. But it gets the joke. No, it's not. I saw it in junior high. I, I, God, I remember this night. This was after we... <laughs> Film the first episode of Aphrodaddies. We watch Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Not that Aphrodite would know what that means. Aphrodaddies is an excellent sketch show that me and Colin invented, and we we're all on. Uh, and we filmed in his house, and we we're afros. Brilliant. In seventh grade. <laughs> and it, yeah. And when we tell people about it, they think 
it's going to be like some weird racist thing about deadbeat <laughs> black dads. That no, that is not what we did. No, absolutely not. No, this was beyond race. Yes, transcended race. But anyways, Pulp Fiction. Um, to me, this is kind of the ultimate ensemble film. Uh, not just not just because of the cast, but. Um, I think the fact that it's done out of sequence, because we're always jumping between different characters in different parts of the movie, and they're all like really compelling and really interesting and really funny. Um, and the film's really just carried by conversations and stories from each character. Sometimes the stories I don't even feel like have anything to do with what you know is going on in the movie, but they're just genuinely interesting because Quentin Tarantino is a real interesting comic kind of mind. Uh, very engrossing film. Anyone have a favorite line off the top of their head? It's a very quotable movie. I don't want to talk about it. I, what is that? I have no idea. I'm uh, just trying to think of something Ving Rhames would have said. Well, I like that line where after he gets raped, Bruce Willis has, he's like, so how you do? He's like, you know what? Pretty fucked up right now. <laughs> something there you like go. That. Yeah. That's a Ving Rhames line. Well, my favorite line has always been between Samuel Jackson and uh, Frank Whaley, Fred, who plays Brett, Frank Whaley. And, you know, he's like, they're talking about Marcellus Wallace. He's like, does he look like a bitch? What? Does he look like a bitch? No. Then why try and fuck him like a bitch? I also just love that memoir of Bruce Willis sees Big Rays walk across the street. He's like, motherfucker. And then he gets hit by a car. <laughs> Which Bruce Willis is driving, of course. Well, I mean, there's not really any one specific character as far as each of these people, and it's so interesting. And it's one of those movies that just kind of defined its time. And there's after this, everyone just tried to rip it off and write their own stupid Quentin Tarantino ripoff type movies. It's so unconventional, yet it's just, it's just, a, it's, it's just such a classic. I love it. I feel like it has to be on this list. Probably. Or I will get a sword. Yeah, I can't really. And cut up a gimp? What are you talking about here? And cut up a gimp, yeah. I'll do it. Don't make me do it. Sean. Christopher Walken is in that movie, by the way. If oh, you yeah. need a reason to see Pulp Fiction. Captain Coons, he tells the great story about all the people that put that watch up their ass. You had this watch and these men... Uh, I don't know if go there. That's terrible. Good. No, those are wonderful Down Syndrome Christopher oh, Walken. <laughs> So my thing was, we also have Reservoir Dogs on this list. and I, I, There's so many great movies on this list. Do we need two Quentin Tarantino movies, or can we just cop out and say we just need one Quentin Tarantino movie? Fine with the cop out. Because <laughs> it is a cop out. But like the record show. Yeah, the record show, it's a cop out. Yeah, I mean, I don't like it, but you got to do what you got to do, I suppose. <laughs> And by you, I mean you, Sean. You got to do what you got to do to make you sleep at night. All right, I'll wedge Reservoir Dogs right up my butt and smuggle it to the next generation. But you know, but another one of the great cast. Tim Tim Roth is great as Mr. Orange. My favorite is Michael Madsen as Mr. Blonde. He's so laid back, yet he's the most violent and murderous of this group of thieves, and he tortures that one cop, and he's dancing around. It's funny if you think about this compared to Ocean's Eleven because it's kind of the opposite. Ocean's Eleven is all about the great heist. This movie is set around a heist, but it's everything leading up to it and then after it. You don't actually really see it. Cool and smug in Ocean's Eleven. Reservoir Dogs, everybody's freaking out. Yeah. 
And I think it's so great as an ensemble film in that it's almost like a play. They're just all in that kind of, in this kind of warehouse area. It all depends on these characters to carry the film. And, uh, I mean, of course, they cut away to some other stuff, but very character-driven, great movie. But I guess we want our list to be a little more diverse, so it's going to have to get bumped. Getting bumped. The right stuff. You just saw this today, right, John? I finished it today, yeah. It's a very long movie. Um, but I liked it. I find the subject matter of the kind of these test pilots in the 40s and 50s and then the early days of NASA and everything, I find it endlessly fascinating. You know, so I could have... It's one of those movies where the time just kind of flies by, you know? Is it still like on it, Netflix? No, I had to watch it uh, by other means. Mm. I own this movie. I'll watch it with you anytime. All right, because I, I really want to watch it. Since I am also endlessly fascinated with the moon and yeah. space. Makes you believe in America. What we're it almost does. Because these are just these regular guys that we get to know oh, pretty well. It's, I don't know that they're regular. These are guys that put their lives on the line every day. It's pushing the I limit. It's violence. getting shit done, man. What <laughs> happened to the America that could get shit done? We needed communism to yeah, kick us in the like, ass. Russia, step it up. Or I don't China. Know, China, Iran, whoever. I don't really care. I just want to go to space in my lifetime. And that's not going to happen because I'm not the smartest or bravest of us. So I need your help. I need you to be you my of us? Are you saying one of us is probably going to go to space? Because you didn't say, I'm, I'm not the smartest, you know, bravest guy, I got a guy. But you said of us, implying that like one was, of us might go to space. I was talking about the sense of unity that all of America feels. Okay. just I just wanted that clarified. That's all. But I think it's so cool. This movie's almost like watching a miniseries all crammed together. It does kind and of feel like that, yeah. Because it starts out, you know, with dudes flying jets. And it goes all the way to space. You get the whole arc. Yeah, and I I, I love the uh, the cast. Ed Harris. Uh, Sam Shepard is probably... Sam... Is, what? No, is that his name? Sam Shepard, Sam yeah. Wilson. Not to be confused with Alan Shepard. Actual yeah, and, astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> and Scott weird. Glenn and Fred Ward and Dennis Quaid. I even noticed Herschel from Walking Dead is in it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he, like, plays... He's, like, the first guy to break Mach 2 or something. Like, he, he like, breaks um, Chuck Yeager's first record. And it's like, is hey, it, that's Herschel. Is it, like... Is it true stories, or is it just kind of based on... Yeah, I mean, it's the true accounts. It more borrows from... Tom Wolfe wrote a book of all all this stuff that happened called The Right Stuff, and they adapted from the book, but I hear they didn't adapt it from the book well, so it's not that accurate, but it's supposed to be the story of first Chuck Yeager breaking, you know, the speed of sound, and then the transition from there to the first guys going into space. Uh, and it, Something it, it, missions. What are they named? Apollo? No, it's not the Apollo, because that's the moon. That's the moon, what of are, course. John uh, should know. He just watched it, but what are we talking about? What are, what's the name of the missions? The Mercury 7. Okay, and so the Mercury missions? The Mercury that's, 7. That's the rocket, right? The Mercury. That's that's just the name of the, the, the whole okay. um, I'm fine operation. Okay. I'll take it. It's weird that the they named after The only thing about this is I think my favorite scenes with each character were probably when they were, like, from the rest of the group, kind of off on doing their own thing with their own families. I mean, I guess that doesn't really matter. Um. Yeah, it's good. I, I don't know. Is this is this one that can make the list? I think so. Yeah, for me, 
It's a movie we, at least Colin and I, have warm feelings about. I, no, I, I, I know it's pretty good. raw in your memory, John. <laughs> no, I liked it. I liked it a lot. All right. Well, no reason to get hasty with our chopping block. No, that doesn't I'm not, sound right. I'm not. I'm not getting hasty with our <laughs> chopping block. Um. So when I came to putting one Wes Anderson movie on this list, the one I had to go with was Royal Tenenbaums, in part because it's probably my favorite of the Wes Anderson movies. Maybe. I don't know. Rushmore. It's right up there, too. I think it's mine. But also... Half of it is mine. Uh, you know, Steve Zissou's clearly about Steve Zissou. Rushmore is clearly about a, a three characters. But the Royal Tenenbaums is really about... Uh, I mean besides Royal Tenenbaum as, as the main character and kind of the impetus for the story. It's about each of his children and his ex-wife and her boyfriend and all the people that are connected to this story, uh, you know, such as Bill Murray. That was wonderful Bill Murray. Yes. Who's not a Tenenbaum and doesn't have enough screen time in that movie, maybe. Uh, but I just I just love this this film about a family of overachievers that fell apart in adulthood and uh, their dying father puts it all back together my favorite tombstone in all of cinema is in Royal Tenenbaums which was? I can't remember (laughs) it says uh, died heroically saving his family from a sinking battleship (laughs) that's good Uh, what I love about Royal Tenenbaums is I love how intricately crafted these characters are, almost to like excruciatingly excruciating detail. We know so much about them, you know, their hobbies, their passions, their desires. The fact that Gwyneth Paltrow has like that was like a missing finger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, just, you get to know literally everything about them. It's just it's the whole movie is just character development. Because mm-hmm. he's and going for that, a novelistic approach, obviously, yeah. <laughs> with the chapters, so he totally yeah. achieves that. It, just like Babe. So it, it really fits the mold of an ensemble film, and yeah, it's real, it's real charming and funny. I, I watched it in a group here over at Central a while ago, and it didn't, it doesn't go over well in a group though. Not, at least not with college kids. Wow. No, yeah, that was a big mistake. That was so. a total bummer. That was really uncomfortable experience. <laughs> I, I guess it's for uh, you know some certain tastes enjoy this film. I like how else. college kids are represented as being stupid. Yeah. I mean, people at my college, at art college, people lap this shit up with a spoon. But yeah, college kids, they're not stupid. They're just drunk. <laughs> or you know, it's funny. That's what, that's what happened. We're watching it, and then people got drunk. <laughs> yeah. Who did you watch with? It was uh, John and Sarah and Emily, and there might have been some other people. Yeah, I watched it with... It's just like no one was laughing. Yeah. I watched... I've only seen half of it, because the same experience and no one wanted to keep watching it. <laughs> and I was really into it. Now I want to see the rest. You should see the rest. It goes places. Talk about Wes Anderson on this podcast. That's a good a recommendation, Sean. It goes places. Yes. I would hope a movie would go places. <laughs> it doesn't go anywhere. Well, I don't want to spoil it. And, of course, we talk about Wes Anderson a lot because it always falls to me to create the document that we fill out and Wes Anderson is one of my favorite directors yeah. yeah I can't help it I like the man 
Oh, I like no, his I think funny this funny elitist white character. <laughs> I think he's good, and I think this uh, was a good choice for this list, and I agree that it should uh, be considered. Yeah, I think so too. Awesome. Two thumbs up. Whose thumbs? Next up on our list is Saving Private Ryan, a wartime movie about saving Private Ryan. Well done. <laughs> Using the title. Yes, those are always really informative. <laughs> it's like I couldn't have figured that out. <laughs> it's set during World War II. Like, I thought it was about something else. Tom. Well, he said it was Matt David. I mean, you could look at the cover and you'd be like, which one's Ryan? Ryan is answer. his last name, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So Tom Hanks goes to World War II. He leads this platoon of soldiers. And their mission... Look, it's it's all in the title. Their mission is to go save Private Ryan. He's the, the last son, I believe, of four sons. Uh, could have been more, could have been less. I'm shooting for four. Sounds about right. And the, all the other three were killed in battle. And uh, I believe this is based on some letter Abraham Lincoln wrote to this poor woman who had like seven sons all die in the Civil War. That might even be referenced in the movie. Um, but you think it sounds so noble. It sounds like such a great mission. But then the, the movie makes it out. No, these are a bunch of other guys have to risk their life to save one guy. And then, uh, I mean, I guess it would be a spoiler to say any more than that. But this is a movie that I think is going to be difficult for us. Because you could easily say this is a movie that's about the Tom Hanks character and starring the Tom Hanks character. But I do believe it spends a good amount of time letting you get to know the rest of the platoon. Well, I feel like there's a lot of uh, screen time for Jeremy Davies. He's kind of like the younger guy who was part of their uh, squad. Yeah. You guys remember that guy? And who of course, doesn't hate him? Because he's got a huge part of Justified now. <laughs> yeah, that helps me watch. It Save should. Ryan. It should. Mike Carp's favorite show. Oh, yeah? Mike Carp? Seattle Mariner? Mike Carp? Yeah. You, you watch the like whole thing on the plane to Japan? I thought I was going to tell Colin that, but I forgot. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. That's that's fascinating. On the air. <laughs> what better place? But yeah, to great be. cast: Tom Sizemore, Ed Burns before he disappeared, Vin Diesel, Barry Pepper, Adam Goldberg, Vin, Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel, Ted Danson, Vin Diesel. He's just a, well, he's one of the guys. In the, he dies he's, pretty. He's early the one who on. tries yeah. to save the little girl um, from the yeah. French family. Not from the French family. <laughs> <laughs> little cameo from uh, Ted Danson. Not playing Ted Danson, but. Uh, Paul Giamatti's in there too. Uh, Brian Cranston, Nathan Fillion, got it all. <laughs> Brian Cranston's in everything, and I've never seen him in anything. <laughs> he just pops up in really insignificant roles. He's really good at appearing and just being there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I really love this movie, but for some reason, it. Uh, it doesn't f- feel right for this list for me. Yeah, I think it's probably... It's because weird. it doesn't rely on uh, the actors as much. There are a lot of set pieces, a lot of action sequences, and I feel like most of these are... put a lot of weight on the actors, which is what I like about ensemble pieces. I agree. Yeah, I, It doesn't pop in my mind as an yeah, it, It's not quite as character-driven as some of the other um, movies on the list. So I think that'll probably get it bumped. A lot of the people are enigmatic in that movie and pretty much stay that way. 
you know, like it's a big deal of just figuring out what Tom Hanks' job was before he was in the war. Yeah, yeah, set pieces. That's yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> I mean, you, you can't even really tell what you're, what's going on in that. Yeah, do you know? Famous do you know scene. any of the characters after the first twenty minutes? Yeah. Not really. You know the Barry Pepper's religious because he kisses the cross necklace. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, so, you know Tom Hanks is a leader because he yells at guys. <laughs> so that's bumped. So here's a, a very different kind of war movie: The Seven Samurai. I got into this after scoring a sweet used copy at Blockbuster. It was, I think, probably the first non-animated Japanese movie I actually saw. And God, it's a hell of a thing. Um, if, you, if you haven't seen it, basically just think Bugs Life, but with Japanese guys in, in feudal times. Uh, this, this, these village, this village is being harassed by uh, bandits and... So they go to town and try to hire samurais to protect them from the bandits. And I think they just go trying to get one. Uh, John, you've seen this more recently than me. You can probably fill in that gap. But they end up coming back with six samurai and then a seventh who wants... Seventh individual who calls himself a samurai but isn't technically because it, it takes a lot to actually be a samurai. It's hard work. Yeah, he's a pathetic drunk. <laughs> but he kind of proves himself to Shiro Mifune. Always great working with Kurosawa. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I mean, it's still I'm still taking it in because I just finished <laughs> it, uh, you know, like a half an hour before we started this. <laughs> wow. And it, I feel like it took me all day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they obviously spend a lot of time uh, getting to, you know, to know the characters in the film and, and how they feel and kind of their, their uh, morals and principles. The only thing is, I mean, I really liked it. The only thing is I feel like I, I had trouble distinguishing the characters. I feel like they, a lot of them were kind of similar in how, uh, you know, they felt and, and how just their principles and everything. Well, it's like the real serious guy, the... Super good at sword fighting guy, the leader guy who shaves his head at the beginning, which was an influence on Yoda in the Star Wars movies. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, how, how so? Just in, that he's wise or something? I, yeah, I, th- I think he was somewhat of the basis for Yoda uh, in Empire Strikes Back. And also, um, he shaves his head, you know, in that in his first scene. And uh, through the rest of the movie, he's kind of rubbing his, his hand against his head. And that's a mannerism they added to the CG Yoda later on. Just because George Lucas really liked that, I guess. Fantastic. <laughs> Maybe Yoda had a long head of hair right before Phantom Menace began. I had to shave it off. But the villagers also play a pretty big role in this film as well. Even though I found them kind of annoying. Because they're kind of afraid of the samurai at first. And they kind of have to get used to each other as it goes on. But... I, I don't care. As, as far as I'm concerned, they could all be killed. <laughs> but uh, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I just I wasn't really into uh, some of the characters. So that, yeah, that's how I feel about it. I mean, I know it's a classic. Any other thoughts? I really like it. Yeah, I think it's really I good. Think it's <laughs> among the best films ever made. I don't know what else to say. I feel like all the characters are fairly distinct in my mind. I don't know. It's been longer since I've seen it, so I don't. I don't know how to make sense of that. 
I mean, there's. I feel like there's a few of them that are. There's like one or two I feel like that are kind of interchangeable, but for yeah. the most part, I feel like they're pretty, pretty memorable. Like I clearly remember there's the one guy who's like amazing at sword fighting, and, that, and that's kind of his whole shtick, really. But <laughs> at least he had that going for him. And Toshiro Mifune and the two kind of older guys I remember, and then the the young lover boy one. <laughs> so that's what like five right there that I remember pretty clearly. But maybe that's just. I don't know. Maybe maybe with time it becomes clearer to you. <laughs> Doesn't seem to make sense, yes. but maybe. I don't know. You just remember specific scenes and think, oh, that must have been a different guy. Uh, I was I was really blown. And then you got to think, you know, when this movie was made. And, you know, it has a pretty dark ending when you think about its contemporaries. They're pretty brutal. I mean, the, the fight scenes are, are pretty fun to watch, even though they're so old. Yeah, I've heard it been called sort of like the first action movie. It could be. I mean, there are lots of action sequences. And it has sort of an action movie plot that I think a lot of movies have sort of derived the whole, let's yeah. get a team together and fight the bad guys. The big bad. Yeah, which hadn't really been done before. I mean, this. it's even more than... It being individually good, I, I hold it responsible for me getting into Kurosawa and me getting into Japanese cinema as a whole. I, I, I think I probably have a inflated appreciation for this movie. So, if, I mean, maybe maybe it's not as good as I think. But I want it to I be on the list. So. This is our list. I mean, I like it a, a lot. and I, I'm not the hugest Kurosawa fan. I like him quite a bit. But if I, if I hold this film in really high regard... I think so we'll I just keep it for now. I don't. Yeah, John. No, I was just I was just going to say I guess say the same thing I've been saying is I just look at this list in terms of the cast mostly. Not I mean of course the the quality of the movie should play into it uh, to some extent, but uh, I, I'm, I'm not as crazy about the cast as I am about just the action. I guess or, or just uh, Toshiro Mifune. Because he pretty much steals the show. I thought we already said this isn't best cast. This is best. Well, it's it's it's. Well, it's I'm sure because you look at Ocean's Eleven and you know who exactly who all those characters are or all those actors are, and then you look at Seven Samurai and you, you know I don't know who was big in Japan. Well, I mean, what seventy years ago? Yeah. Um, but it. I mean, it definitely follows more than one. You, uh, I don't think you could say who the main character was. I think there are at least two characters who you would have to really argue between them who's the actual main character. And the whole rest of the team gets plenty of development as well, at least in my memory. So let's not take it off yet. All right? All right. Because we only got one left. Yeah. And that's the usual suspects. In English, please, Cole. Great. Great moment in that movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I like this film as much as John does. So I think Aww. we should talk about it. Well, I, don't know, I remember the first time I saw it, and I was like, well, this is a decent sort of crime thriller, I guess. And then the ending came, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> but I feel like that's maybe doesn't make it a great film on the whole if the first half kind of had me like well this is okay 
I feel like it should have me <laughs> the whole time. So yeah, I, I, remember, I need to see it again, I think. I remember when I first watched it, I, I really enjoyed it. And then I was like, I remember, was that, did we watch it with you in Ellensburg, John? Yeah, I thought that wasn't that the second time you saw it? Yeah, that was the second time I saw it. I, I liked it about probably a little less, but I still really enjoyed it. And I just remember Sarah being like, oh, yeah, I totally, like, I totally got got that, like, halfway through the movie. And I was like, it just ruined it for me. <laughs> it's just like, uh, how'd you get that? You didn't get that. But no, no, you didn't get that. Yeah, it is one of those movies. Yeah, you're right. That was a bad movie. (laughs) What? I don't understand the argument you're making. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm not saying it ruined. You're just sharing a little story. I'm just sharing a little story. Okay, okay. I was very sad. I like that you do your girlfriend's voice deeper than your own. (laughs) Is that what I did? (laughs) (laughs) It's like an anonymous interview. <laughs> yeah, I want to do. A, I didn't want to do a really good impression. I want to. They know. Yeah. Who it is. I want to. I want to protect anonymous. her identity. How noble. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's always going to be probably better the first time because it's got a twist ending. Yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, I liked it uh, the second time I saw it, which was the same day as the first time I saw it. Um, what? I think what's a- what is that story? What? I'm just saying I watched it twice in the same day. I like I watched it. I was like, that was really good. And then I watched it later that day. Um, it seems to go a lot, go on a lot in your family. Oh, yeah. Definitely with Paul. We'll get into that another time. <laughs> Will we? <laughs> Top ten times Paul's watched a movie twice in the same day. This, this, this is the guy that went to go see Signs in theaters twice in the same day. But... Uh, I love the fact that this. You look at the cast and be like, "Yeah, it's okay. Cast doesn't look that great, but it, they work really well together, actually." Because I mean, Stephen Baldwin is not really a name that is held in high regard today or anything. I don't feel like it was held in high regard back then. Um, uh, Benicio del Toro was kind of an unknown back then, and Kevin Pollak. It's weird to think of him in this kind of movie, which is kind of an, a thriller kind of action type thing. But they all work so well together, and they're all clearly having a good time. I, Sean mentioned earlier there's that one line where they're in the lineup and like there's the guy that says because um, they all have to recite this this, this, this little line because they're trying to find out which one of these guys did it and Benicio del Toro does it it's all mumbled up he's foreign and this guy goes in English please and that was unscripted kind of thing but they kept it in and on that same scene they're all using like their worst take of reading the line these guys were just they were having fun doing this movie and I think that 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 kind of closeness that they kind of had working on this movie, you can see it on the screen. I think they work real well together. And yeah, I mean, it's thrilling. It's eye exciting. <clears throat> this I remember after I saw this, I got into I did a big uh, Kevin Spacey thing. I watched a bunch of Kevin Spacey movies. <laughs> That's when I first saw Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and Swimming with Sharks, and lots of other stuff. But yeah, I'm a fan. But um. I'm not going to be devastated if you guys are like, I, I'm, I ain't taking this shit. <laughs> I really like it too, uh, but I know we have more than 10 on our list still, and I think it's an easy one for me to cut. Why? I'm just being true. Um, I'm, just, I'm just Because kind of like what you said, once you've seen it and know the twist, you don't 
like I or maybe I can't say what you are gonna feel, but I don't I don't really want to see it again, which isn't the case. Lots of but twist movies. Does that make? I mean, that's part of a twist movie. That doesn't make it a bad movie. That- Lots of twist movies I want to see again, knowing the twist. Like Memento, yeah. when I saw that, uh, that's a movie I watched a second time yeah. after. I, like immediately, I was like, okay, let's do it again. <laughs> uh, and you know. It's not- Signs is another twist movie. <laughs> I enjoyed that as much the second time I saw it. Uh, Signs isn't really a twist, but we'll get into that another time. <laughs> Our top ten Paul movies. Um, <laughs> top ten twist movies that aren't really twists. <laughs> <laughs> That's in year two. Um, yeah, Usual Suspects was pretty good. It was good to me. It treated me right. But I, I think I'm done with it. Maybe I'll want to watch it again someday. But you know what I mean? Like, all right, got it. Yeah, Stories in my head. That's kind of how I feel, but I do sort of want to see it again, even though I am afraid it'll be... What made me want to see it worse. most of all is John just talking about those guys having fun together on the set and that kind of coming through on screen, because it does. And that, that, that lineup scene is a great example of that, but there's a few scenes in there where they're all just... Trying to accomplish silly tasks. Well, not silly tasks, but they're trying to accomplish criminal tasks. Silly-like. Yeah, not silly tasks. Like exporting a truck of whoopee cushions. <laughs> yeah, it's very serious work. I almost forgot to mention Chaz Palmentary. He's probably my favorite part of the cast. <clears throat> the guy that's interrogating uh, Kevin Spacey. He's just so badass. He doesn't show up enough anymore, but I guess he's probably getting old. Or tired, I don't know. Or maybe he's still hunting Kevin Spacey. <laughs> he thought the movie was real. <laughs> he's, a, he's a great actor because once he falls into a role, he never gets out of it. He's stuck for life. Yeah, he's also stuck in those vanilla Coke commercials. <laughs> I want to know what you did to this Coke to make it vanilla. I don't know if that was the like... Okay, you, 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 can, you can cut it then. Whatever. It pains me because it seems so perfect for this list. I mean, to not even be on 10. Not even be perfect. 11 because of our unofficial official 11. <laughs> to, not, to not even be, yeah, unofficial official 11. I can, make, but, uh, I, can, I can offer you this, John. Oh, shit. Unofficial 12. Okay, so we got 15 Oh, wow, that's right such now. an honor, Sean. <laughs> well, 15, okay. Take it or leave it. That's how we're going to do this. We are going to do some chopping. Uh, the Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss yeah, Sunshine. Okay Probably that. do the right thing as well. It's got to get chopped. Okay. It's... Look, man. Look. That's how we do. That's know, how we do. I know. I know. You can fight the power all you want. But Whitey's going to win in the end. Whitey's going to win in the end. Freaking Matthew Carstens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just did that internet video like the Head gopher or whatever. Gopher. The dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Yes, that was classic. So we're getting rid of Little Miss Sunshine and do the right thing. We got got mass chopping to do, my friends. I'm still not that excited about American Graffiti. (laughs) I'm more excited about it than Dazed and Confused. Is it on the... Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, I had to scroll down too far. Uh, sorry. That's right. Anyways, 
As I said, I'm not in love with The Great Escape either. Uh, God, I need to see Best in Show again. You're under attack, John. So I don't... <laughs> I don't know, might be better than I remember. You know what? That three right there, I could live without. What? American Graffiti, Days and Graffiti's Great Escape. Just pull the John out of this list. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Glenn Gary Glenn Ross Ouch. should be on it either. I don't like... Really? Being... Well, no, I just don't like being so mean to John. Oh, he did take do the right thing from I'm me. Out, I'm out for vengeance. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Glen Gary Glenn Ross is a movie I like. We talked about it. I've got little to gain from putting it on this list. <laughs> I barely even remember it, personally. It's good, but it's I don't remember it. So it's off. Leaves us with 12. Still got to get 12. two more. Uh, Any thoughts, anyone? I told you my two cents. Uh, you said Great Escape? I guess Great Escape one? and... I, don't know, I guess Days and Confused. And I want to say Best in Show only because I don't remember it that well. But God, you, you bastard. Best no, I'm not show. saying... It's just That's the reason, though. I don't like have anything against it. It's just because I don't remember it that well. So yeah, I definitely want to keep Best in Show. That's fine. That's yeah, completely I fine. Like, I feel I'm probably, like it probably should, I, should be on there. you got to have Christopher Guest. Yeah, sure. I'm reminded right now of how thrilling this segment is when we make the list. This is... Very captivating. Get heated, yes. I'm hoping for future segments we will learn how to trim this look, down some way. Look, guys. American Graffiti, Days and Confused. We've talked about these before. We've listed them before. We haven't listed American Graffiti. We didn't list American Graffiti? Remember? Yeah, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. God. Talked about it so many times. It's like, might as well be on every list ever. Just not very excited about it. <laughs> Well, one thing to note is, Nancy, you've seen those movies, and there's other ones on here you haven't seen. So I feel like that should weigh into it some way, because it's our list. It's a group list. Everyone's important. Mm, But I'm also not that excited about this. I mean, those aren't my favorite movies. I feel like if you guys like other movies more, I'm fine with that. Those two high school movies that I just mentioned are... My least favorite of these 12. My least favorite on this list in terms of it being an ensemble list is uh, Hannah and her Sisters and Seven Samurai. I'm just putting it out there. That's, that's just, you know, that's just the truth. Have I seen Seven Samurai? You've seen Hidden Fortress. That's the one I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. So do, do what you must because... I feel like, uh, Colin, you and, Sean, you and Sean are more on the same wavelength, and I'm kind of out here well, let's, in the outfield. What about Days and Confused, John? Does that need to be on the list for you? I mean, I'd put it on there, but it, I, I suppose if you have really strong feelings about it not being on there, I'm not going to fight you. I can say I genuinely like the other movies more than it. Do what you must. Go ahead. I mean, I don't, but I'm fine with taking it off. Because we've already talked about it before. Okay, and while we do that, why don't you talk about what movies you like more or less? No, yes, less. The days are confused. Uh, the uh, okay, I told you the only films like 
of all the films left on this, I am absolutely in love with, except for Best in Show and The Great Escape. So those are my That's two. That's it? There's, there's just those two for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess after that it'd be Royal Tenenbaums, but I like that movie a lot. I'm telling you, I love basically all these films. So it's really hard for me. That's what I was saying before this. is like, how the hell are we going to do these lists? There's so many great films that we're going to talk about. All right. If we're assuming that American Graffiti makes it then, then I think the conversation has just shifted to Great Escape or Seven Samurai. Because then we're talking about movies that some of us really love, some of us don't really love, and some of us haven't seen. And I hate to be all Mr. Majority, but I got to go to Nancy on this one. What are we asking him? Nancy? What you, you saw Great Escape or have I forgotten? Yeah, he's seen, I've seen, 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 seen Great Escape. Yeah. Do you feel strongly about Great Escape? No, I do not. Then I think because Colin and I clearly prefer Seven Samurai... To the Great Escape. I'm gonna have to say goodbye to the Great Escape. Is it official number twelve? No, I believe I already gave that away to the usual suspects. <laughs> but as compensation to John, I will offer up Seven Samurai as the number two. I still like Seven Samurai better than Hannah and her sisters. I'm just putting that out there. Then I will resend my offer of putting Seven Samurai as number ten. Yeah, I'm fine with Hannah and her sisters at ten. So we're taking out the Great Escape. Great Escape. We've got our ten. That's how it is. Our, our official number twelve to compete with our unofficial number twelve, the <laughs> usual suspects. Sorry, John. So we're into constructing the list now? Yep. It is list time. And it sounds like Hannah and Sisters is number 10. Mm-hmm. I'd also, well, I guess Seven Samurai was closer yeah, to the that's, bottom. that's what I thought, too. Just Jesus. Okay. Uh, I would put it, I would at least put it above American Graffiti, please. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Please? No. I'm all for putting Seven Samurai as high as possible because... An incredible film. Yeah, but this isn't just our list. Uh, John, how do you feel about... But I probably do like American Graffiti better personally. Uh, of course you do. But I don't care really at this point. John, any thoughts on American Graffiti? Uh, oh, good. I mean, oh, uh, higher than Seven Samurai personally. All right, so... I also put... Um, just going to another one that I feel would be on the lower end of the spectrum would be the right stuff. I think it's, yeah. I think it's real, it's real good, but I, can live with that. I don't think that, yeah. I mean, like I was thinking, oh man, that that's, that's on here, but great escape got cut. And I love those. I feel like those characters are way more memorable, but, uh, I mean, right stuff is yeah, great movie, but the characters, they're not like spectacular. They're just regular Joes. No, but I think it's a better film. The greatest heroes of our time. Well, my parents' time. I still feel like this list shouldn't have just been what's the best film. It should have been best film in terms of the cast and their dynamic between yeah, each other. The objective with this list is a bit muddled by now. We are so. way too deep. We don't know what we're doing. So, 
I'm okay with right Press stuff on. at nine. Right stuff at nine. Great. All right. Then perhaps Seven Samurai I or think, American Graffiti. I think, yeah, I think since you both like American Graffiti more, it's Seven Samurai. All right. But it really pains you that you couldn't get that in at seven. <laughs> so close. We got pretty close. Hmm. Well, I would have put. No, uh, never mind. It doesn't set now. I was just gonna say I would have put American Graffiti higher than Royal Tenenbaums. So would I. Now I know how John feels. <laughs> doesn't feel too good, does it? I, I was but, just gonna say, what about Best in Show? Because you don't seem as excited about it, Colin. Mm-mm. Although Nancy made it one of the conditions of putting it on the list. What, Best in Show? Yeah. I love Best in Show. I feel like, yeah. to me, the ensemble movies, I mean, they're my favorite one. They're comedies, and, and uh, I don't know. I'm still confused on the ensemble <laughs> I feel like everyone is. Yeah. I mean, we, I, we're I just getting like we, more confused. We all we have different interpretations. interpretations yeah. Which is fine. I mean, it's not that big a deal. I feel like okay. a lot of the times with these lists, we have different interpretations of the rules. But So what should we do with Best in Show? Do we put it at six? Do we put it lower? I put it, I put it higher than Royal Tenenbaums. Best in Show. Because I'm not happy with where American Graffiti ended up, but I'll settle. So I'd go, I'd go Royal Tenenbaums uh, next at six. Is that how everyone else feels? But Except for me, obviously. Yeah. Mm, I mean, I don't. I like Royal Tenenbaums better than Best in Show. I haven't seen all of Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> You're going to play that card again. I haven't <laughs> seen it. You play that card all the time. Best in <laughs> Show is just... <laughs> when? Oh, it's so brilliant. It's so like brilliant. It's so funny. <laughs> I guess I did for Ocean. And it's not even it's not even my favorite Christopher, uh, Christopher Guest movie. Oh, what is? Mighty Wind. Really? Fred oh, because you're a musician, of course. Yeah, of course. Fred Willard is so good in that. <laughs> I want to watch all those movies. Hey, what happened? Uh, there he is. I really hoped Royal Tenenbaums make it to the top five, but I'm not going to belabor this point, especially when one of us hasn't even seen it or all of it. Okay, then can we put it at six, please? Yes. <laughs> I don't know why that took so long. Because no one wants to do it. No one wants to do anything tonight. This feels like the longest podcast ever. It is the longest podcast. Okay. That's why we have to Not eliminate surprising. this list-making portion and like cut away and then come back. No, Talk about this, this after we're done. No. no, I want the people to know the truth. Best in show number five, <laughs> right? Was, yeah. it was just, I want them to open up their windows and get yes. out and scream. Keep going. Is that yeah. your way of saying network is next? I'm bored as hell and I'm not going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I want them to do. Okay, so can we do this next four real quick? That's not going to happen, is it? No, it's not. I'd really love it if it did, but... 
I feel like you're always the one that snags it up. Am I? Do it, Colin. Put them in order. Such strong feet. I have to put them in order. Honestly, <sighs> Are you putting network one. I mean, actually, no. It is my favorite movie on this list, but I feel like Twelve Angry Men is the best example of an ensemble movie. I agree. That we've talked about. Oh, that's. I feel like it's Pulp Fiction. Man, uh, I mean, one of the thing, one of the things that pops into my mind when I hear ensemble is they're all working together. Exactly. They're all. It's not just you know, Pulp Fiction is different because it's it's different characters, different places, different. Like, you know, crash. All the story, yeah. all the story I mean, I level. think of ensemble, I think of a stage, I think of actors interacting with each other, not different stories. So. They are interacting. All the stories are connected. It's just done out of sequence, so it's not as obvious. But they're not interacting in the same scenes that much. They're not, like, feeding off each yeah. other in such a vital way that they exactly. do in 12 Angry Men. Well, okay, so if those are the top two, what's the order of network and airplane? Uh, I would say airplane, then network. Feelings? I mean, Nancy, I disagree. I mean, Nancy's going to feel the other way. But. I feel the other way, too. But not that strong. Because I don't, I don't care. Of course, really. I feel the calm way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, you know, let's let's put Airplane above Network just because... Fine, yeah. There's this unnatural... Love. Sustaining love we have for Airplane. And throw Kevin a boom. Yeah. Kevin will be pretty upset when he sees this isn't number one. Yeah. <laughs> should be number one on every list. No matter. It should be number one on the Mariner list. You know, he probably has stopped listening to this podcast because Airplane isn't number one on every list. <laughs> so what? I'm, I'm with you guys, though, 12 Angry Men. 12 Angry Men? I, I just don't feel that way. I feel like it's, it's still uh, mostly Henry Fonda's movie. Of course, he's working together, but I feel like Pulp Fiction... These all these different characters, they they carry different portions of the film, and uh, the, the, it's, there's just something about that. that I don't know. I guess it's hard to put into words. And then, yeah, in Pulp Fiction, they're not all interacting with each other really. Uh, John Travolta gets to interact th- with most of them, I guess. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I'm outnumbered, so. There's nothing I can do. And we've been talking for far too long. Far too long. So Just like the freaking American Pie franchise, <laughs> we've gone on far longer than anyone ever hoped. So let's wrap this thing up with a little list reading. Everyone's favorite part. <laughs> Our top ten ensemble movies. Skipping our unnecessary 12s and 11s. Number 10, Hannah and Her Sisters. Number 9, The Right Stuff. Number 8, The Seven Samurai. Number 7, American Graffiti. Number 6, The Royal Tenenbaums. Number 5, Best in Show. Number 4, Network. Number 3, Airplane. Number 2, Pulp Fiction. Number 1, 12 Angry Men. Thank you so much for making it this far. You truly are the king of kings. We'd love to hear what you have to say about the show. If you head on over to mildlyplease.com, we make it super easy. There's a little comment form. It's a blast. We'll see you next week. <laughs>